This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed Podcast with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. She's a television editor, a reviewer, and a movie trivia champion, Rachel Cushing. Is Cushing right? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, good. Yep. good. I, I like to pretend I'm the long lost um, like great niece of Peter Cushing, because <laughs> it's the only famous person that's ever had the last name Cushing. So I and... always do this with my podcast for people who don't have uh, experience saying their last name. As it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh yeah, I should have checked that. Am I just saying Cushing because I like Peter Cushing? Or is it Cushing? I don't know. Nope, nope, you were correct. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Um, sure. Um, <laughs> I'm an East Coaster. I was born and raised in Boston, and I moved out to L.A. to pursue a career in film and television. Cool. Um, and luckily was able to succeed in doing that. I'm, a, as you said, a television editor. I've worked uh, in documentaries and movie trailers and, and sort of settled into uh, reality TV and, and doc television, and I love working on that. Um, okay. But uh, a movie lover, since I was a small child, have a film degree to back it up, and um, <laughs> that's how I sort of fell into the YouTube communities through friends at Collider, Christian Harloff, and Mark Ellis, and, um, and you know, if anybody watches the Schmodown knows that somehow I ended up playing... <laughs> On that game show, which has been a lot of fun, uh, not a champion yet. Have uh, still uh, the belts have eluded me, but I'm hoping okay. to get one soon. But I mean, you've won a lot of games, so you're I, a movie I, trivia a, winner. A, f- a fair amount of matches, yes. Yeah, this is fun for me because this is how I first heard of your uh, existence on this planet. Yeah, nobody I, uh... else would know me. It, like <laughs> I, I've not been an in front of the camera person. I've I've never sought the spotlight out before. It just so happened I was sitting on the sidelines one day watching my friends play and murmuring answers under my breath, and the person next to me was like, ah. Uh, why aren't you playing? And Christian was like, I need more female players. Could you just try it? And I was like, I was scared shitless <laughs> to be in front of cameras and lights and put to the test. But a year and a half later, I'm still doing it. So <laughs> yeah, it's a very uh, hero's journey story to me yes. because my, our mutual friend Ken Napsok yes. told me about this. Mm-hmm. I think before you actually, before anyone actually convinced you to play, yeah. I was like, I sit next to my friend Rachel, and she just kept murmuring all the answers, and it's maddening because she needs to get up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and we did uh, one of the movie trivia Schmodown's uh, live show where yes. we were both on the bill, mm-hmm. and I, I saw your strength there as you were Thank backstage you. in the green room. I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a deer in headlights moment for me for sure. <laughs> well, thank you for coming and doing this, and we we're going to talk about something that is very much up your alley, yep. uh, obviously, because that's the point of the podcast. Your obsession is Lord of the Rings, which I cannot believe i haven't done an episode on when you when i got your very sweet offer to do the podcast i thought to myself i'm like well i'm obsessed with a handful of geeky things i'm like but there's no way this hasn't <laughs> these haven't been talked about there's no way but i was like oh, i'll just throw them at him and, and and see what he says and i'll try to think of something else out of the box and when you emailed back and was like we actually haven't talked about lord of the rings i'm like the stars aligned in some very weird way for this because it basically meant I didn't have to do any prep whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, we did an episode on Tolkien. Yeah, Tolkien, to Tolkien, Tolkien. <laughs> I remember Ask- that episode I was trying to say yep. correctly and failed as well. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I usually save like the really big uh, umbrella geek topics for when I do episodes live at conventions. Yep. And then it just never happened to be the <laughs> right time because yep. Lord of the Rings is in this weird place where it's still very popular, but not the hot it thing. I mean, it's been, it's been 15 years since the, the original trilogy was in theaters. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's dive in with that. Is your obsession with the books, the movies, or both? It's both. But if I you know had to choose, it's the books. I, I grew up on them i mean okay. I, i'm not kidding like my parents were reading them to us when we were my sister and i when we were like four or five years old really yeah okay so you is it the kind of thing where you don't remember a world before lord of the rings pretty much okay <laughs> <laughs> and so they they read the entire trilogy to you yeah um so i like to say that my mom is one of the biggest tolkien fans in the world like i, I don't i'm not really exaggerating because like i just it's been a part of my life since I was little and she talks about it how it affected her when she read it in the 70s and she was part of that you know cultural that that culture that embraced the the books in the 70s and um and how much it meant to her and my uncle and extended family and uh I come from a family of geeks so 
they I, I could remember my sister and I being downstairs and upstairs my grandmother lived with my uncle and my parents would go up there on Sundays and they would watch football in the falls in the fall and then they would play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> okay. And every last one of their characters were named after somebody from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, and so just like, so like I never remember a time when I wasn't hearing those names. Yeah, okay. So those names are like, it's like your Uncle Bilbo. He basically. He's always yeah, been there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so when did you sort of take on the mantle of being a fan yourself? So like, well, let me take a step back. When your mom was saying what they meant to her, what was it? Um, it, it, I mean, it's similar to what I've taken away, but the idea of, and I feel this way, why I love fantasy and science fiction as a genre, whether it's books, television, or movies, is um, the the escapism. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I, uh, I'm a huge history lover. So for me, what Tolkien did, and, and my mom said the same thing, was like, he took fantasy seriously, and he was one of the first people to ever do it. And Very to seriously. Right, yeah. to create such layers and such backstory that's never even really mentioned, but you feel when you read it. Okay. Um, and, and that just, like, you know, really hit home for us and, then, and for her. And, and for me in general, it's the kind of thing where things aren't going so great, you can escape to this world that you love. Okay, and it's it's because it's such a complete world yes. that the escapism is successful. It's, it, exactly, it's so immersive to me and to her and to, and to most fans. So, okay, how do you feel about any of the criticisms that ever come up with the book? Since you grew up with it, sure. it is almost like when somebody probably is like, "Oh, they walk in the woods for too long." That probably feels like an attack on your family, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, it it, it it adds to the charm. It adds to the world building, and that's the stuff that I like. And and also, I think it speaks to me because I like history so much. Like, I'm the person that will read, like, a dry military history book on, <laughs> you know, the 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 storming the beaches of Normandy in okay. World War II. And, like, a lot of people would read that and just be like, these are just names and lists of weapons and, and this company at this time and this and whatever. Like, they... they it's it's too dry for them. Okay, um, but I've ne- like that kind of reading has always been interesting to me. So uh, why is it not dry for you? Is it because your mind, when they're like taking a specific path through the woods, is it interesting to you because you're like, ah, yes, I know the choices that they've made strategically to where to navigate. Is, is it that it's an opening of a door and your mind takes it away from the actual information to sort of larger ideas? I mean, it definitely helps that I have an active imagination. So that it's like when you're, you know, on the path in the old forest with the hobbits, like the way Tolkien describes it makes it so easy for me to be there. Okay. And I love that. And that's part of the escapism. It's part of the the imagination of it and, and part of the like, but at the same time, the part of the realism of it. Yeah. Like you can actually feel yourself there or be there. and um, And I love diving into that you know, and forgetting everything else. That's a really good point about the realism of the fantasy. It's not the utter wish fulfillment of like the hobbits with their, you know, strong thighs pounded their way quickly <laughs> through the forest and then kicked ass. It's like they walk and they get tired like sure. you, like one really would, right? Yeah. And it makes it a little bit more reality-based than just Definitely. fantasy. So how was it like uh, when you were a kid then when you started to become a, I would imagine, a fan on your own? Not relying on your parents. I think it comes down to sort of that imagination aspect of it. So when we were little, I mean, they read them to us, but um, uh, you know, the they made cartoon versions of them oh, yeah. when we were younger. So uh, Ralph Bakshi did Lord of the Rings, but weirdly, it's only Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers. It just ends, and okay. then they never finished it. <laughs> Very but, dark yeah. interpretation. Uh huh. But then Rankin and Bass did The Hobbit um, movie, and then they also did A Return of the King. So The Return of the King. We had a record of an an audio record of the movie, <laughs> like so, actual vinyl. Yes, and nice. so we would listen to it before we went to bed, and so like I would hear it over and over and over again. I would listen to that more than I would actually watch the movie. Um, and then I remember reading the books for the first time. I mean, they're dense, so I was probably maybe twelve by the time I actually really tried to get through them on my own. Okay. Um, so it was fun to like remember what I was hearing, but then letting my own imagination sort of take it in, you know, the fun places you can when yeah. you're 12 years old reading a fantasy <laughs> book like that. Do you always hear it though, like the specific voice actors when you the, read Return of the King? There's certain ones, and this is so silly. There's a um, in in just like the the live action movies, the 
um, cartoons like added to it. Like there's songs and poems and things in in the in the written word, and so okay. they you know. So there's a song that the orcs sing in Mordor. <laughs> it's where there's a whip, there's a way. What it, I know, it's 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 they're chanting. As okay. they're, they're marching, they're marching to war and Frodo and Sam are up on the rocks and they're chanting this war song as they're walking. But the cartoon made it like yeah. so, so, so like I can hear it and they have the sound effects of the whips and the chains. <laughs> and you have to picture like my sister and I had like four and five years old, like listening to this before bed. It's bizarre. <laughs> Did you uh, <laughs> then sing that at school? Did you walk around going where there's whip? There's yeah, a way. like it would play in my head. So it was really funny the first couple of times I read the book and you're just reading it. And you just re- in, like all the poems, yeah. they're, they're being they're, they're songs, but the, on the, when it's just a written word, you know, somebody has to apply music to it. So I've always been curious. And even in, like I said, the live action movies where they've, um, the Hobbit movies say what you will about them, but like the, the washing dishes song, like, you know, it's always just been on the written page and now somebody finally applied music to yeah. it and wrote a song with it. So I find that kind of stuff interesting because it sticks in my head. <laughs> yeah, cool. So when you were around 12, you're reading them for the first time, mm-hmm. you're listening to uh, Where There's a Whip, There's a Way <laughs> yeah. nightly. Was that uh, something that was just still within your family or did you find friends at school who liked oh, no. Lord of the Rings? Oh, no. <laughs> nope. Closet nerd. Closet nerd. Did uh, you hide it? You hid your Um. Yeah, well, I think there was probably no hiding it completely, um, but... Yeah, no, this, this was a, a pure family thing. Um, it, it was just, I mean, I think we're a similar age. Like, it just, you you didn't talk about the nerd stuff when yeah, you were you into just, You simply in didn't speak school. of it, yes. No, like, it, it, it was automatic not cool zone. <laughs> automatic. <laughs> like, and, and I was unfortunately a little too desperate to be cool when I was younger and cared about all the wrong things in middle school and high school and all of that stuff. And, you know, didn't embrace the things that I loved at the time in a public way. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it took being an adult and being a little bit more um, confident in, in myself and being like, okay, I love this. And if you don't agree or you don't like me because of that, then you're not worth my time of day. I, cu- I couldn't get there when I was young. So. Yeah, understandably so. There were yeah. some things that I was loud and proud about and other things like I, I shan't mention this. Yes. Like- <laughs> I enjoy watching all my children with my mother. I'm not going to mention that in junior high. <laughs> Probably a good idea. I might idea. say a little bit about Star Wars, but I'll keep the all my children like buried. Like, very dangerous. Uh, so did you ever have a time where you lost interest? Like you hid it away, understandably, given given the time and your age and all that. Sure. But did you ever have a time like, well, Lord of the Rings is childish, so I'm just going to set it aside? Never. <laughs> I have read the books once a year, every year since I was 12. Wow. A specific time? Is it like November? It's Lord of the Rings it, time? Or? It's kind, it has evolved into that. There wasn't um, originally, especially like in college and, and early years in LA, it was sort of like a little more haphazard. And it would also kind of be like whenever I felt the need to escape, like it was always you know right there on my bookshelf. Um, recent years, even probably as many as the last 10, it tends to be at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, that's when the movies came out. So then, yeah. now, I would imagine by the time the movies are being announced, you're a little bit older, you're probably a little bit more willing to uh, be loud and proud about your love of Lord of the Rings? Yes, absolutely. That was an interesting time. Um, so two, the 2000s, when everybody was, like, talking about it happening. Um, so I was 20. And uh, I remember initially, when we heard about it, my entire family um, basically said, yeah, right. Not possible. Like, clearly we will see this, but there, there's no way they're going to okay, get it so right. Okay, so you just we assumed they would be shit. I, yeah. I, because we just, I mean, think about it. It was the late 90s. Was anybody taking genre seriously? Fantasy no. genre seriously? No, no. yes. <laughs> well, Very well, good point. Like, in the 80s, you had things like Willow and time bandits and you know movies that i adore i'm i'm not knocking them in any way but nobody took them seriously right the idea that that a lord of the rings fantasy movie could win an oscar would be insanity absolutely would have like bet everything i had be like that would never happen yeah um and uh it was crazy because like it it you know still started to trickle out the casting trickled out um the first trailer and we all were kind of like huh okay (laughs) some of this looks pretty good like maybe (laughs) i don't know um and so we bought tickets for opening night uh december 17th 2001 yeah you are a trivia champion (laughs) (laughs) and um 
and went to our local theater and it was the single best movie going experience of my life. Wow. The first time we saw Fellowship of the Ring because the only people that were there at like the 7 p.m. Friday show were Tolkien fans. Like hardcore old school nerds. Right. The ones who loved the books and wanted this to be great but wasn't sure. Like that's who was there opening night because this was before they were part of pop culture in the way that they are now. Like you have to put yourself back in that sort of mind frame of nobody was thinking about it or caring about it other than the hardcore fans. And um, and we sat down and, you know, the trailers played and then, you know, lights go the other on the black screen and you hear... Kate Blanchett's voice. Yeah. No one in that theater was breathing. I guarantee you we were all holding our breaths. Like you could hear a pin drop. It was everybody's shoulders was up. Everybody was just like, is this going to work? And then the as the prologue plays, everybody sort of just like breathed out, leaned back and went, you know, I think this could be something great. And then it absolutely blew everybody's mind. Yeah. And then I proceeded to see it 10 more times in the theater. <laughs> like no exaggeration 10 more times? No, 10 more times, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was it that you feel like the movie, especially that first one that launched it all, that Fellowship of the Ring captured? It captured the idea that, and this is going to sound silly, but that it that this world was real. It treated the world as if it was real. It treated it in a grounded way. Um, it treated it with respect. Yeah. Uh, and, and acknowledged, it, it captured what the book captured, which is this world. It's a sim- kind of a simple story mm-hmm. in, in a way, um, but there are layers and layers and layers and layers of history underneath it. And you feel it when you read it. And I feel it when I watch the movies. Like I feel like there's a lived in world that has its own history. And they throw out names of past kings or past you know fallen kingdoms or or whatever without explaining them yeah just that because the people in this world know that like that it's just a part of their history and i felt that it felt grounded to me for a fantasy series (laughs) well yeah that makes a lot of sense when we talk about uh we uh when i talk about star wars with other people and i wasn't using the royal we when we talk about star wars uh i always mention tip of the iceberg storytelling sure. like that in a new hope that first mention of the clone wars that yes. does make you feel like oh well the, i don't need to know that but right it makes now. it feel real mm-hmm. to me when i think of fellowship of the ring and i'm not a huge lord of the rings person i like them but i haven't uh i've been they've been crowded out by other obsessions <laughs> uh just like pain i think there's something about the the amount of pain that the characters go through that makes it really real it makes it really uh it's difficult to watch those movies and go like mm, it's a guy in tights with arrows oh doody doody do it's so silly because those people are all feeling things yeah. so much in those movies i agree i think that's really powerful now coming from a family that had studied uh lord of the rings <laughs> you must have had some like nitpicks or some like i would have done x differently sure um but I'm I'm a little better at accepting things like that than your average geek, mostly because I, th- I went to film school and I totally understand different mediums. Right. What works on the page is not going to work on the big screen and vice versa. So like I'm actually always the person who's like su- super curious about adaptations because okay. I'm like, you know, if I really think about this, yes, I love Tom Bombadil. But no, I would never put him in the movie. <laughs> I'll like, scratch that question off for those masks later. But. Right. It, it's, it's the kind of thing where I get it. Like, there's there are certain, and I don't want to call them rules because I don't think filmmaking should have too many rules. I think you should do what you want to do. But there are certain things that if you want to keep your audience's attention, and not just those of us that have watched the books, but you want to introduce a new audience and capture their imaginations as well, you have to focus a little. Yeah. And I will say Tolkien is not 100% focused in those books. <laughs> I don't mind the tangents. I yeah. adore them. But for a story that you want to tell over three films and and have it make sense and have the progression and the evolution make sense of the characters and things like that, yes, yeah, some of it's got to go. Yeah. Um, and so, like, little things like the fact that Arwen comes to the rescue when Frodo's been stabbed in the shoulder on Weathertop. That's supposed to be Glorfindel, who's okay. actually a very, very near and dear character to me, who's barely in The Lord of the Rings, but he's in The Silmarillion, and he's got this great history, and I love the elves. And so the first time I saw it, I was like, nah, I don't know about this. But 
Arwen's barely present in the books, yet she's the love of Aragorn's life. So putting in her her in here now just makes narrative sense. Yeah. To get the audience to know her a little bit and then show us that, you know, she's the love of his life and that he's doing so much of this for her and that she's laying her immortal life on the line for him. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I get it. I don't necessarily love it because my poor Glorfindel, but I get it. So, like, there's a lot of stuff like that. If you um, have to feel bad for a character, one named Glorfindel is pretty damn good. Poor Glorfindel. Yeah. Um, I think probably, and in, in, I'm by nowhere the only person who thinks this, what they did to Faramir is a little difficult for me to accept. Okay, that's a little bit deeper than I go. What did they do to Faramir? So, um, in the books, Faramir is... Um, he he's the you know the antithesis to Boromir in the sense of he only fights when he has to. Okay. Um, he's more of a scholarly type, but he's no less formidable a warrior. He's just the reluctant warrior. Okay. Um, and he is one of the very few characters that resists the temptation of the ring from the get go. Okay. So in the movies. They needed to give him more of an arc. He couldn't be quite that stand-up of a guy right out of the gate. You had to put Sam and Frodo in a little bit more peril. So he looks like he is being influenced by the ring and slightly being corrupted by the ring because he's so looking for the approval of his father, which is an aspect of his character in the book, but they enhance it in the movie so that he actually kind of becomes this villain character, bringing the hobbits to Esgiliath, which is so not things that happen in the book. Um and to give a to give the two towers a climax with that storyline yeah. because Helm's Deep's the climax with the others, but what do you do with Frodo and Sam? So they they wrote this whole thing about Faramir, and they give him an arc to come around to if he finally resists the temptation of the ring and lets them go. Um, as somebody who is a Faramir's one of my favorite characters, there was a lot of arm crossing for me <laughs> going. He wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. This is just wrong. Yeah. Again, though, but I get it because I, I mean, like I just said, like they had to give you got to give characters arcs rather than just them be one way from the get go. Yeah. Um, especially in movies, so I, I, I get it, but still don't love it. Yeah, well, that's cool <laughs> to hear a like a tale of the your film nerd fighting right. with your Lord of the Rings nerd yes. and your film nerd going to <laughs> resist the temptation of being pedantic about this. Yes. Let it go. Understand. If you could sit down and have a drink or a chat with any character from Lord of the Rings, who would it be and why? It's hard not to say one of like the elder characters, somebody like a Gandalf or a Galadriel or an Elrond, um, mostly because, again, that those layers and layers of history, I mean, they've been around for thousands and thousands <laughs> of years. So it's like, and, and I'm one of the people that I, I love the Silmarillion. Now, okay. it's it's weird, and it's uneven, and it's more like a book of short stories than it is um, any sort of coherent storytelling, but the elves are my favorite characters, and the evolution that they go through, like, they're sort of presented as these, like, infallible, immortal, beautiful, wise almost two-dimensional like they're just good yeah okay. but that's not the case like they have this entire history of being corruptible and making the wrong decisions and screwing themselves over <laughs> again and again and again against this big you know thousands of years long war against morgoth so i love that there's so much more than meets the eye with them and the ones that have lived through conflict after conflict and war after war and every time they defeat the bad guy another bad guy sort of rears its ugly head because they don't know how to be purely peaceful good they're 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 i don't want to say they're human because they're not but they are in the sense of but they don't know how to break the cycle either right they're fallible right and um and so like to be able to sit down with elrond who has this incredible backstory of being this half elf half human part Maya character who's been around for as long as he's been and it's so weird because people don't realize who don't know the lore as crazy as I do is that he is Aragorn's great 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 times a thousand uncle oh really because he's a twin and his his, him and his twin were half (laughs) elves half human and the powers that be said to them you have to pick you have to be an elf or you have to be a man Elrond picked 
being an elf, his brother Elros picked man, so he became mortal. Okay. He became the first king of the Numenorians, which is this a- ancient <laughs> line that Aragorn is descended from. And Aragorn is descended from this man who died. He's Elrond's brother. So he's technically related to Arwen. I just want to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> many times removed. <laughs> many, many, many times removed. Okay, so we do have a little bit of incest going on in Lord of the Rings. Uh, just, well. just, a right. tiny bit. just a tiny bit. Just um, a tiny bit. So what would you ask Elrond if you had him sat down? Would you ask him a deeper, more philosophical question? Like, why is it that elves have never been able to break, break the cycle of violence? Or would you say, like, is it weird that Arwen and Aragorn are related? <laughs> that would probably be the question I would want to ask. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the it's this idea of the Lord of the Rings on a, a Tolkien-hated allegory. It's not allegory. But the idea that this is a fantasy story, but it still reflects our world and ourselves. And the idea that when Tolkien was... At his most impressionable, he was fighting in World War One, and he lived through World War Two. Um, the idea that how did how did we as a race, as a human race, let ourselves get to this point? Yeah, I mean, there's been hor- horrific wars in the past, and yet we keep coming back to this, and we don't necessarily learn their mistakes. and And what is it about humans that you know that we find ourselves so easily being caught up in being greedy and being egotistical and being at odds rather than being at peace and the characters in the in the stories reflect that and so to talk to somebody like Elrond who's lived through it again and again and again I just I'm always the kind of person that like wishes I could talk to like a Napoleon or somebody in history and just be like yeah dude <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm like I'm making a shaking <laughs> moments with my hands like come on like why you know why do we the the why do we keep going through the same motions and, yeah. and the same cycles throughout history? So yeah, where in where do you think it comes from in the story of Lord of the Rings? Uh, everything you said about Tolkien makes sense, but when I think of Lord of the Rings for myself, I react to a lot of the moments where people are reluctant to fight oh, yeah. or want to ignore that there's mm-hmm. a problem, and that really seems like comparable to like uh, the policy of appeasement and things like sure. that. So did did he have strong feelings about hey? Let, let's let's go to our better natures except for when there's somebody evil you have to stand up and fight yeah i think that's the the conundrum and i think that that is and, and he doesn't answer it necessarily i mean it, there is a, an, a a very superficial level of good versus evil going on here but yeah. there's so much more gray area which is what life is and i like that um and yeah i mean he he wasn't again no allegory and there's no a equals b in in his story it's not so the history it, of england it's, it's not, you know yeah. sauron's not hitler that's not what he was doing <laughs> but there is this idea that there are there is such a thing as a great evil and a pure evil and that there is therefore um a, a need to to stand up to that yeah and um and what i love 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 about the fellowship is that you have this like ragtag group of people that represent all levels of what it means to be that like there's the less reluctant heroes there's the they they're all being driven by slightly different motivations some don't want to be there at all some are there for pers- like like sam's only going to to protect frodo yeah. like it, it's almost like he's like whatever about the ring and sauron whatever no i'm here to protect my best friend <laughs> like and 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 you know and aragorn's there to prove himself in terms of like he's supposed to be the the in the last possible you know uh, person who can bring back the line of kings and he's yeah. got that pressure on his shoulder, um, and you have Boromir who is trying to save his city and you know I I love that all of them have their different reasons and motivations but at the same time they're united in their goal whatever yeah. their motivations are yeah all right so you clearly deeply know. All the characters, even the ones who got shafted by the movies. Uh, I am also aware that uh, in the movies, and, and I guess in the books to a lesser degree, that there aren't as many women characters. Hmm. So when you were a kid, did you see yourself in any specific character? It was um, it was a little weird. I, I it My experience is probably slightly different because... I always knew A. Owen was coming. Okay. So in the and you do have the first book, and you're basically you've got Arwen on the absolute periphery. Yeah. And you have Galadriel, and believe me, I love Galadriel. Um, but that's not an active female character. Um, but 
growing up, like I don't remember, I don't remember the first time I heard the story from beginning to end. So I couldn't okay. tell you what I felt because I was way too young. So in the back of my head, you know, the first time I read it when I was 12 or any of those, like I always knew there was a badass female coming. Okay. Um, so that probably helped. Um, it is certainly one of the main criticisms for, for Tolkien. Um, and it's hard because part of it is, he wrote these in the 40s and the 50s and um it was a very when he was in the army and in it was men you know doing these things and so like i don't want to be like like that's an excuse he still could have and and ultimately he did um because there is some historical precedent of of female warriors in some ancient um and it's uh, not like there weren't women somewhere in world war ii (laughs) right so so it it was there and and he gets to it um it certainly would uh have been nice for a a little bit more um but it was never something that bothered me yeah so did you see yourself in awen then did you be did you feel Mm -hmm. like she's my favorite i can be her when you're like run around in a backyard playing Lord of the Rings where you like, I'm Eowyn? Sure. Like, I mean, of, like I said, like, it's hard to, when you're running around the back of the yard, be like, I'm Gladriel. Okay. Um, give <laughs> me a I bucket watch. of water yeah. and I look at something <laughs> and, and, and I resist the temptation of the ring. Okay. that's It's a little more fun to run around with a sword and a, and a hamlet and pretend to be a guy and then take out the witch king. I mean, yeah. that's generally just going to be slightly Who doesn't want to take out the witch king right. in the backyard? Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily sure I see myself as Eowyn uh, in terms of being necessarily a physical fighter person. I don't really know yeah. if I know how to swing a sword, but uh, correctly anyway. But it was certainly an amazing um, uh, character to look up to, and and to anybody who's like who like crosses their arms and like and Tolkien hates women. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like he literally wrote one of the biggest, baddest, evil characters and said, "No man can kill him, but a woman can." Yeah. Like, come on. Like, I mean, <laughs> he got he got there. So like, he clearly had you know uh, you know something in, in mind that that. That was, he's not sexist, I, I guess is my point. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, and I w- I'm just trying to be more mindful of like how we all see ourselves in characters. Sure. Especially when we attach to something really young. Yeah. Uh, like uh, I, I attached to Luke Skywalker because he was the most like me. Sure. He was thin and a little sensitive and sometimes whiny. Right. That's fine. Right. No, it works. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, not not a muscle-bound guy because I wasn't a muscle-bound guy. Sure. It's funny because like it, it, it's not indicative of anything, but weirdly when I, I adore star wars too i related to luke more than i related to leia and if i had to pick a character that i related to in the lord of the rings it would have been faramir okay so like yeah i don't know what that says <laughs> that i'm relating more to the guy characters it might have just you know whatever it was i was going through at the time but it um to me it's it's not a, necessarily about gender it's about um, point of view and headspace and you know yeah. the, the way that you look and feel about the world and when I was first reading Lord of the Rings and when I first saw Star Wars those were the characters that at that time in my life I was like I relate to that yeah did you relate at all to Gollum can't say I did <laughs> um a knock on wood luckily I don't think I've ever been really addicted to anything that much in my entire <laughs> life so that's Good. helpful Good. <laughs> uh obsessed yes addicted no um I think one of the big sort of pop culture things to come from the movie is people calling things they like my precious. Oh, God. Have you yeah. ever called anything you liked your precious? Well, many, many times. <laughs> what did you call my precious? Oh, geez. I think I refer to my cat as my precious an awful lot. Um, and it's weird because she already has a Lord of the Rings name. She's called Mithril. So um, I probably don't need to be calling her that, but I have for sure. Um, yeah. And it's just an ongoing joke in my family and certainly now more around your friends but if if there's you know anything that you want versus what you know if anybody else is going after it'd be like no my precious kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> do you do you do a uh, golem impression i'm sorry i am no good at impressions <laughs> i don't know how anybody can make their throat do that i've i've certainly watched all the behind the scenes on the lord of the rings dvds and blu-rays many 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 times and what andy circus did is phenomenal <laughs> yeah he is he's an amazing and really kind of groundbreaking in that performance yeah how do you feel about where lord of the rings is culturally uh i mean the books are kind of the books but the movies were huge game changing mm-hmm. as you really pointed out well uh but right now they're definitely in the pantheon of huge yeah. geek pop culture mm-hmm. stuff 
but they're not at the level of Star Wars or MCU or The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. Yeah. Is that comfortable for you? That's like, they're a big deal. You right. can talk to anybody about Lord of the Rings and they'll know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Right. But it, there's not a flame war on Twitter every day about <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I think I'm grateful for that, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it speaks to, you know, timing. Yeah. Um, I think the timing was right to bring uh fantasy back in or, or or into the mainstream in such a way that appealed to people outside of the niche you know core of us that loved the books and and you know grew up on willow and legend and, and, and movies like that um and it opened the door yeah i don't think you know I, they're wildly different and i don't love comparing them because I don't think it's it's is parallel or or it's a direct line as is a lot of people say, but there probably isn't a Game of Thrones without the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I think we owe you know a lot of things that have subsequently happened to yeah. it. But yeah, but it's still high fantasy, and that's still niche. Yeah. You know that it, it it's and it and it's not you know what Game of Thrones did was it it grounded things even more to a point where like it's actually modeled after historic events and like the war of the roses yeah. and things like that and the fantasy is so peripheral yeah. that it attracted more people to it um whereas at the end of the day the lord of the rings is still got elves and dwarves and magic rings and in a big badge you ever never actually see he's just a glowing eye you know <laughs> so th- there's there's i have friends who just can't you know with fa- like fantasy and sci-fi it's a genre they, they it's a just can't thing that yeah. th- their threshold for that suspense suspension of disbelief and and that kind of stuff is just they can't get there whereas they can with game of thrones yeah and weirdly can with walking dead and star wars is its own thing yeah. um and just always <laughs> seems to has been for um so i mean I, I i can't necessarily intellectualize all the reasons why but i feel like yeah you know that that there's still a bar that people say Oh, Lord of the Rings fantasy, not for me. Okay. But how do you, that all makes sense, but how do you feel about it? Like if tomorrow they, I know they're working on some Lord of the Rings TV shows Mm -hmm. and all that. So if uh, next year it becomes as big of Game of, as Game of Thrones is, would that make you happy as a fan? Or do you feel a little bit more like, I like that it's a little quieter because it's mine. I'm not possessive in that way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I, I. I'm the kind of person like to each their own and and if if it more people embrace it that's amazing but it does not affect my love of it one way or the other. I mean if I have to mute more people on Twitter, I suppose <laughs> um you know that 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 might be the negative side to it, but um but yeah, like it's my obsessions and my fandoms are that. They're and yours. and they're mine and I I'm I'm thrilled to share them with other people, but you know, I, I, I'm also, you know, big fans of smaller things that far less people, you know, uh, are, are, you know, as obsessed about as I am. But yeah. it's it's the size of a fandom of something doesn't affect my opinion of it, I guess. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it's a good hero's journey from junior high to <laughs> I don't care now. Uh, if you were in the actual fellowship oh boy, and you had to say... And you have my blank. Oh, geez. What weapon would you offer to be a part of the fellowship? I, I would be like my book or something like that. <laughs> I would be like uh, I'm the map person. I'm good with maps, maybe. <laughs> I, I just don't think I, I'd be, physically speaking, uh, the most formidable weapon. And since there's plenty on that team, like I, I, I guess I'm saying maybe I'd bring my brains and hope that that, that would okay. help in some way. And you have my brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great line. <laughs> We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions, so I ask questions like these of every guest. There are no right or wrong answers. Do you think about Lord of the Rings every day? Yes. Okay. And that is from the beginning when it was being read yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was part of my day for so long for, you know, sometimes just a, a quote or a comment, other times because one of us was reading it and would comment or talking about it. Yeah. Or, or And my family does a watch of the movies once a year, every year. They do it over the weekend. And, you know, I don't always get to fly home for it, but I have. Um, so your and- family has, like, individual, like, Lord of the Rings con. Oh, you, you, you like walk into my parents' house and you like perfectly normal, perfectly normal. And then you walk into the, the, it's the office slash library. Um, 
There is an entire shelf of pewter figures, all fantasy-based. There are swords and axes and helmets on the wall. Every version or maquette of a, of a uh, Nazgul that's ever been made is there. You know, uh, recreations of the rings. We all have jewelry. I'm wearing my Gladriel um, Nymphadel flower earrings right now. Um, yeah, no. Like, it, it's 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 a, a level of, of obsession and fandom that I don't know if I can accurately describe. And all four of us in my family share it. Okay, so. it's oxygen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes sense to me of, like, maybe why you are uh, so grounded about you don't care about how popular it is because yeah. you're, you're always in it. Yeah. At all times. And it, for at least I have the three of them in it with me. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you told me a little bit about your parents' home, but when someone walks into your home, <laughs> can they immediately tell you're obsessed with Lord of the Rings? I have actually, um, the apartment that I moved into five years ago did something similar. So if you walk into like my living room, it looks perfectly normal. Um, but if you walk into my spare bedroom, my office, same thing. I've got posters. It's all Lord of the Rings posters and maps all on the wall. Um, I've got Sting hanging up on the wall. <laughs> I've got all my toys, my Legolas figures up. And um, yeah, it, it's my, my little shrine to the aspects of, of... I mean, when the movies came out, so much merchandise came out. I mean, not that I didn't have every version of the books beforehand and, and I have all of the, the the history of the Lost Tales and all of that. Like, okay. I had all that before. On, so I had, like, a couple of shelves dedicated to Lord of the Rings. Then the movies came out, and it was just, now there's a room dedicated to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Are you still in a merch-collecting phase, or do you feel like, my room is full? I'm, I'm done for now. <laughs> yeah, there's not a ton of room left in there, but it's, the, it's... So now it's more of the... If I see something unique or interesting, you know, I might be uh, more inclined to get it. But I have the, I guess, the pieces that um, that mean the most to me. Um, and yeah, so it's not that there was a, a buying frenzy. Okay. For the first few years after the movies came out, it's died down a little. Okay, the frenzy has died down. Okay, so in the main room, so that you've got this other room that's that's all loaded up. Did you say there was anything in the main room? Um, or is the main room pretty neutral with your pop culture loves? I'd say my, like, is you walk into my apartment and, and it's like the, like the main dining living room area. And yeah, that's, I mean, if you walk over to one of the shelves, you'll see, I have every version of the movies ever released. Wow. Um, and I have them on a shelf with the two uh, pillars of the Argonath book bookends that came <laughs> with the Fellowship of the Ring extended edition. So they sit there and there's a little maquette of Gollum. So you'll see that. But none of the all my wall art and and things in that room are um, from my travels, so you don't see anything that, okay. that quite hints at the level of the, <laughs> the obsession we're talking about here. <laughs> okay, you have to go one more room. Yes, deep. fair enough. Would you get or do you have a Lord of the Rings tattoo? I have two. Okay, do you do you mind sharing them? No, not at all. Um, uh, this is back to a story about my family. Um, my sister had. I gotten a tattoo. She's the first one of us to get a tattoo. She got it when she was like 17. Um, and after my parents stopped freaking out, um, they were like, hey, this is actually kind of cool. We've been sort of kicking it around. <laughs> um, and so my sister, in all her infinite wisdom, suggested getting Lord of the Rings tattoos and to get, not matching, but get a set. If we each got a piece of a tattoo that when they all were together, they wow. made up something. Um, and this was the only reason why I did it. Because I was scared to death. I was like, needles? No. Um, but they were like, but if you don't do it, then you're going to ruin the set. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so I was 20. Uh, my sister would have been 18 or 19. And my parents would have been 41, 42 or something around there. Okay. Um, and we all went and we got Lord of the Rings tattoos together. And what we got was the poem, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all into the darkness, bind them. We each took a line um, written in, in Elvish and put it wherever we wanted on our bodies. And then we each accentuated it with something from the uh, the lore that we loved. Okay. So my parents both got the ring. So theirs matched the most. Thing. Okay. Um, my sister got a little red dragon because she's more uh, partial to the Hobbit than the rest of us. And um, and I got the um, Lorien leaf because the elves were always my favorite characters. Okay. So I have that on my upper back. And what line of the poem do you have? I have um, one ring to find them because it was the shortest line. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a poem you can write about the tattoo. And one line to be the shortest. Yep. <laughs> uh, wow. And so it's so when you say you have two tattoos, it's I have the, another one. 
as oh, okay. well. So no, that's I consider that one tattoo, and then my other one is on the inside of my left arm. Oh yeah. So um, and it's also a line. It's um the line, "Not all those who wander are lost." Oh yeah. Which a lot of people don't realize is Lord of the Rings because it's been appropriated for so many other things, um, including hikers, which is something that I do a lot. I, oh okay. I'm something of a. a mountaineer in my free time um so i'm, I'm always hiking and, and backpacking and climbing mountains and um so i this quote has meant a lot to me in both of those areas and i wanted something um you know personal like that there was sort of that craze but I, I i loved it so that's why i did it but the idea of writing or getting a tattoo on your hand or your arm that if you ever needed a pick-me-up or you needed a motivation that you could look down and read that and like and it helps so that's what I yeah did that for. that's awesome which character actually says that it's um it's part of a poem that bilbo writes about aragorn and oh, okay. so um he's he i think he recites it in the council of elrond chapter or um when the fellowship finally gets to uh rivendell and it's the entire poem is uh you know not all that is gold glitters not all those who wander are lost not i'm not very good with remembering it <laughs> but the, the whole poem is about the return of the king um because it's like it, it's uh you know the, the deep-seated roots frost can't get to them and they can bloom again and so the king can come back okay um, and so that's the the uh essence of the poem yeah that's really cool i had forgotten that it is actually from the books as opposed yes. to just something that uh J.R. tolkien said right. out loud once his yeah. facebook would have you believe <laughs> <laughs> where quotes go to die on mm. facebook uh that's amazing the story the tattoo story I with know. your family <laughs> i mean that's uh just and it was like... the tip of the iceberg for my parents they each <laughs> yeah. now have they covered now if, 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 yeah if you if you saw a picture of them, you'd be like, oh, like, you know, normal looking people. Um, both of their backs are covered oh, really? in Lord of the Rings tattoos. My dad has swords up his legs. <laughs> My mom has the J.R.R.T. symbol on her ankle. Um, and we're so, we're so weird. Um, but my family, like, it, it sort of just happened this way, but like, We'd, we'd all be like, well, what's, what, what are your favorite characters? And, like, my sister loved the dwarves. I loved the elves. My mom loved the men. And my dad loved the bad guys. So, like, <laughs> and, and, and so all of, like, the tattoos sort of went that way. So my dad's got, like, Witch King and Nazcal on his back. Does he and, have, like, Soren's eye? Is a little, like, uh, stamp uh, on his lower no, back? Uh, no, thankfully he didn't get any kind of... Tra- but they're big on the back of his shoulders. Okay. Um, and, uh, and my mom has the White Tree of Gondor. Um, and, uh, and my sister has, uh, Smaug, um, Smog. We always said Smog growing up. Now that the movies are telling me I'm supposed to say Smaug, I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> you can reject it. <laughs> Your choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is amazing yeah. to have such a tight knit family and that they can be tight knit about, uh, Something a, so geeky. Something so geeky, but then also that's really cool to celebrate the different things that you like. Yes. Which is obviously something that we need to do better on in pop culture in general. That would be nice. Of like, I like this part of it. You I... like this part of it. That's great. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, not your part sucks. My part's better. Oh, come on. Uh, have you, I, I think I know the answer to this. Have you shed actual tears over Lord of the Rings? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's parts in, in the movies where I know everybody says there's ten, ending to, 10 endings to the Return of the King, but I tear up at every single one of them. They're, so they're, they're I'm okay great. with it. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> and it doesn't uh, even have the scouring of the Shires. And another whole chapter, people, from the books that they just cut out of the movie. Could have been longer. It, that was the destruction, right? Uh, yeah. Um, so the Saruman's uh, storyline is not wrapped up the way it is in the movies. He's still skulking around and, 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 and you know, tearing up all the, the beautiful aspects of Middle Earth. And he has infiltrated the Shire okay. um, and murdered people. And is, is uh, basically it's an, uh, not an allegory, can never say allegory, but it's an allusion to the Industrial Revolution. So he was tearing up all that was green and beautiful in the Shire and setting up, you know, industry. Um, okay. And so when the Hobbit, the four Hobbits come back after the, years worth of terror and horror that they went through and their beloved countryside you know is is, is, yeah has been destroyed and so they have to rise up and battle one last time um and and finally um uh take out saruman who's called sharky for some reason um (laughs) yeah i know does he have a pizza it's like his disguise it's like he's and it's like okay why whatever (laughs) okay Uh, (laughs) i do understand narratively why yeah so uh, him falling off of orthanc onto a spiked wheel at the beginning of the extended edition of return of the king is probably better off for the movies (laughs) so there isn't an extended version where where sharky scours the shire nope nope they never (laughs) even remotely tried to shoot that which okay i get it peter jackson fair enough 
Fair enough. Would you correct the Wikipedia page for Lord of the Rings? Oh, I would happily. I'll go edit that thing anytime you need me to. <laughs> yeah, you could easily just do it up. But does it bug you? You you are clearly uh, not only uh, generally have a good, well-balanced attitude towards geekdom, but it seems like you also work toward it. Yeah. Uh, but does it bother you when people get things just wrong and are maybe obnoxious about it yes if it if it's said in an authoritative like this is right egotistical kind of way and and you're just sitting back and going no 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 no." um try like if if they're they're not sure they say it because they they just overheard it and and it's all in the delivery i guess is the way i would i would approach that (laughs) okay okay have you ever corrected someone in person oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> i try to be nice about it yeah uh, I, I correct them oh um so in the schmodown i think that they've asked questions and it's it's funny in the inner geekdom i've said this before the, a lot of our fandoms started in the source material and then so so like you're a harry potter fan of the harry potter right. books and then there's the movies you're a fan of of mcu comics and then there's the movies and lord of the rings and so on um you have to be careful sometimes you get asked questions about the movie and the answer is different oh, in the source yeah. material than it is in the movie. So um, I'm always very conscious of that and to, to make sure I get the answer right. But um, but I have sat on the sidelines and, the, and they've asked, you know, like, who solves the riddle of how to enter Moria, uh, speak friend and enter and say Melon. Um, and in the movie, inexplicably, it's Frodo. And in the <laughs> books, it's Mary. And it's just like, what? Let Mary have his like moment. He came up with the answer, but in the movie, it's Frodo. So you got to answer Frodo in the movie trivia showdown. But in real life, I will sit in the crowd and go. Actually, just to let y'all know, in the books, it was Mary. <laughs> Yell, friend, and enter. Uh, have they ever gotten a question wrong where you have had like a successful challenge where you're like, that's not that question doesn't actually make sense, or there's more than one correct answer, or that kind of thing? Um, I will say that I have said things behind the scenes and just been like, you might want to read it like this instead okay. to, to clarify. Um, I w- there's not been anything, um, like super blatant. The, um, I will say that the writer of the questions, Chris Galiski, is actually a very big fan of the Lord of the Rings movies. Okay, and cool. I would say 99% of the time he does pretty well at the yeah. questions. He yeah. works his butt off. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. And I, I you know, he has even... to go deep for the Star Wars stuff that I do, and he does he does a good job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if someone you love was trapped on a desert island, would you leave them with only Lord of the Rings to watch? Depends on who it is I loved. If, like, my boyfriend was, he would... He would never forgive me if i did that to him <laughs> if it was my mom sure yeah what if it was somebody you don't know someone that oh. you you were friends with and you cared about but you didn't know them that well yet and you knew them as just like oh they're kind of a well-rounded geek i will give okay. them lord of the rings if, if if they were a geek i would give them lord of the rings because okay. i would feel like that would fall under that umbrella yes and you feel like obviously it has sustained you through your oh, whole yeah. life you feel like it is rich enough yes it's like you can you get extra endings. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Who doesn't want extra endings? If aliens were coming to Earth and you were appointed to greet them, would you show them or read them Lord of the Rings? Ooh. It would completely depend on their capacity to understand, understand like, again, not allegory, <laughs> um, but, like, correlation. Okay. Um, Literary correlation. Right, because you'd be a little worried that if you showed them that and they'd be like, where's this magic ring? I want that magic ring. <laughs> like, wait, you can come back from the dead? Like, wait a minute. Is that like it's all this stuff? It's and jealousy. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of like, uh, I don't know. And it might not want to give them, they might give them the wrong idea about what what uh, we actually have going on here. Yeah. On would you feel like it would give aliens a good message about how thoughtful humans are about the nature of war and violence? I mean, that's what I get from it. So I would certainly hope that if they they understood how to think that way, yeah. that 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 it is it is absolutely indicative of human nature and and the 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 lengths that we go to to you know protect what we love and to protect the people we love and you know that everybody is tempted and how we deal with temptation and how we deal with corruption and you know i think it, it is a very human story yeah in a lot of ways yeah and and it does have a sense of rising up if needed yes. so if the aliens had any ideas that is a good point watch like out, j- just yeah j- we might have another last alliance of humans in <laughs> Humans. And my brains. <laughs> uh, would you buy and wear, or have you, uh, Lord of the Rings themed pajamas? Oh, I wish. 
I feel like that's the one thing I have. Like, I've many articles of clothing with Lord of the Rings stuff, but I've never had a Lord of the Rings set of pajamas. What would I feel like this is an oversight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do they exist here? I don't know. I don't think I've ever looked. All right. Well, this is, uh, I now know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> you got some Googling to do. Yep. <laughs> uh, but this is like a no brainer. Like you, this is a, one of the ways that you like to express your obsession is by literally wearing it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything that was too far that you wouldn't wear? Have you cosplayed? Um, well, I cosplayed as Galadriel. Nice. Um, and uh, believe me, people have asked, they're like, why don't you do Aeowyn? I'm like, if I could find that costume, <laughs> you would think somebody has done that costume. But no, like I can't find her sword. I can't find the helmet what? that she wears. Really? I was, re- I believe me, I did some deep searching. Now, I suppose if I, I, I like, you know, some armor on Etsy, I could you know, pay a thousand dollars to do it for me. But I mean, my slowdown budget isn't quite up to that. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, if I, if I could figure that out or in, in on, on a, um, budget kind of way, I would do that in a heartbeat. But, um, it's funny. I've never cosplayed in my life until the slowdown. Okay. Like I don't even dress up for every, every Halloween. Like it's not necessarily my thing, but for somehow, for some reason it helps me in the schmodown because if you get a little bit lost in the costume and the character and whatnot, it helps me with my stage fright. Right. And you just feel like you are a hero. A little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, would you have a Lord of the Rings themed wedding? Oh my God. I would in a heartbeat. Um, that would take some severe convincing. I have no <laughs> doubt. Um, I mean, not like, like, like in the, the tasteful decoration way. Like I would love to have like a, like an almost like an elven dress, but I don't need to do the ears. Okay. Okay. Um, and like and, and like the the, the the arboreal decoration and yeah. things like that. Like I would I think that that would actually be beautiful. Um but um but yeah, uh, that's that's going to completely depend on that that hypothetical man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh if the if the person you were marrying was like totally in for it, would you go over the top with it? I mean, because it seems like I'm interested in your family because mm-hmm. it seems like they go all in. Uh, th- would they go all in of like your your father would dress as Elrond and give you away? I mean, I, I <laughs> certainly think they would. I think that my, I would, like I said, I, 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 it's, I, I don't want to come across as snobby, but like there'd be a taste level with it that I would want to maintain. So I don't okay. think necessarily I would ask everybody to dress up, but I think that I would play homage to the movie's um particularly the elvish culture because yeah. that's what i gravitate towards like i mean just like picture rivendell and yeah. like that the 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 um the archways and the kind of way that the the uh nature flows into the architecture that i could see myself trying to make okay. in some way i like that because that sounds like you're taking the parts that uh from lord of the rings the aesthetics and the ideas that yeah. would be appropriate at a wedding yes like and I feel the same way. Like I, I'm super into pop culture stuff, obviously. Sure. And I can't. Rem- I think there might have been some little nods in my wedding. I, I, we've been married. My wife and I've been married for over a decade, right. so it was a while ago. <laughs> but uh, and I have friends who have used the Imperial March for their wedding. Sure. And people ask me like, "Why didn't you use the Imperial March?" It's like. It doesn't really fit with the mood or the I, theme. It, the, uh... it is a slightly weird thing to be marching up a wedding aisle, to, yes, but like to my, each their own. Wonderful partner, not yes. the humming <laughs> horror of totalitarianism. That's not what I was celebrating. Not the vibe I was going for. <laughs> yeah, so you, you got to have your your lines you draw. Yeah. This is the final "How obsessed are you?" question. If you were sitting down to watch a brand new cut of the Lord of the Rings trilogy with even more footage that you hadn't known existed. But then a bear steals the television remote. Oh, that bear's going down. <laughs> <laughs> you would try to get the remote back. Oh, yes. Okay. Now, this is interesting. You have, you, you've been very, like, re- you're clearly very into it, but then you have these lines of, like, well, I wouldn't do that. Of course not. And that's too far. But a bear. <laughs> There's no stopping It's not my line. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That was a very <laughs> knee jerk reaction. And now I have to, like, kind of think of how I would do that and I'm not entirely sure but um yeah I, I feel like that it, if that existed in the world I would absolutely need to find a way to see it I would probably bribe the bear with like a picnic lunch or something like that and like switch it out I don't know I'd find a way it makes, it makes you, you'd read a, a book about bears and <laughs> yes. you would find a way all right I appreciate the honesty of your answer because that's what I would do uh can you make a noise to sum up oh, your boy. obsession 
what kind of it can be a reaction to seeing it how you feel or a noise from i feel like it's the complete lack of noise like like i was describing like that that when the opening when we saw you know the the fellowship of the ring and then even at the end it's like the and nobody left the credits rolled and people were still sitting there and then it was just like a huh oh my god like they did it and now we have to wait a year for the next one (laughs) i like that your noise is total shock and peace followed by rage yeah (laughs) (laughs) the human condition uh i ask everyone to rate their own obsession uh we'll do a scale of uh what what is uh what birthday is it that bilbo is celebrating 111st yes yeah so from one to 111 uh one being the lowest 111 being the highest, what is your obsession level? So when you say, like, highest, and if I said 111, like, would it, would I be, like, the obnoxious obsessed fan? Because, like, I feel like my obsession goes there. Like, the only thing I haven't done is, like, memorize the languages, but that's really only because I'm terrible with languages. I think I would have if I hadn't, if I'm not really bad at them, but, like... Like my knowledge level and my, and my adoration for it and my respect for it and you just like my attributing it to as much of my life as possible. Like it's yeah. way up there, but I like to think I'm not the person that is, you know, like walking down the street, shoving it in everybody's face in an obnoxious <laughs> kind of way. Like I'm not that 111. Yeah. So I guess I'll go with 111, but I promise I'm not going to shove it in your face. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think the, uh, I say this often on the podcast, but I love hearing what different people's idea of what obsession means. And sure. for some people you can, like you, you can say, I have included it in almost every part of my life, and I have parts where I don't feel it's appropriate, or I don't right. want it in this part, or only the elegant, uh, you know, <laughs> the wooden parts. parts, only the pretty wooden parts go here, <laughs> you know, and you don't have eye of Sauron earrings, hey, and no. you have a nice flower from blah, 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 I didn't remember that one. Uh, so th- that's really cool to me to hear that, like, yes, I myself uh, uh, believe that I am at the highest level, but I don't believe that that is a, a bad thing. Because yeah. I include it in my life the way I want to. Exactly. That is awesome. Can you tell people where they can find you and anything else you want to plug? Um, sure. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Rachel J. Cushing. I'm always up for geeky discussions there. And then um, on the Collider Videos YouTube page, I occasionally pop up on their videos. But mostly, I'm just a part of the movie trivia schmodown. Awesome. Here are some quick plugs uh, for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast that I co-host. That's called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com, and you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that at patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here we go. Final questions. These don't have anything to do with Lord of the Rings. They're just fun. Okay. If you could shoot one of these two things out of your hands, which would you choose? Lightning or stamps? Lightning. <laughs> Who doesn't want that, like, Zeus godlike feel? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine most people do. Uh, yeah. Sometimes people have said stamps because they're just I mean, I suppose it's convenient, based. but yeah. I don't mail much anymore. Everything's yeah. automatic online, so I don't need stamps. If you'd asked 10 years ago, stamps maybe yeah. might have had okay. a better chance. What if I switched it uh, to not a question from 1982, but rather <laughs> uh, lightning or Wi-Fi? Oh, see, now that's tougher because, you know, like like on the airplane where they say there's Wi-Fi and then there's not yeah. and you're on that plane for 11 hours like I was a month ago and I had no Wi-Fi, I, I have to say shooting Wi-Fi out of my fingertips would have come in really handy. Were you going to the Lord of the Rings shooting uh, sites? Is oh, that wouldn't why that you're... be nice? That is, that is a, a dream trip that um, I have not taken because... In an ideal world, my family would take it together, and Aww. we've all we've all really, really, really want to go to New Zealand to do that together. So, unfortunately, so I've, I have refrained from doing it. I, um, okay. I, yeah, no, I was just taking a boring trip to Paris. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> boring old Paris. <laughs> uh, so, how would you use the lightning? Would you use it uh, to get your way, or would you use it if you just happen to come across I mean, a I bank need, robbery? I mean, it does. I do feel like like it, there's a, a nice intimidation factor, and um, you know come in handy with a schmodown think of ways to incorporate that god of thunder just the god of lightning sh- yeah like yeah, your just, hands. Just, yeah. yeah you sure you want to answer that question right <laughs> <laughs> intimidation lightning is great yeah if you could write a word or a phrase on the moon so we all saw it what would it be oh man and I'm, I'm like i'm not i'm not 
<laughs> trying to do something funny or silly or honest like, is great. I'm I'm such a <laughs> um I, I've had such a like you said a weird journey with my self in my life that like I would probably do something really corny like be yourself or like you know um love yourself or you know something along those yeah. lines because it, it it has been a journey for me to to um uh accept myself as who I am and to like myself as who I am and things like that and part of that is the geek nature of myself but uh but yeah I would probably do something incredibly cheesy along those lines I think that'd be great if you uh, <laughs> turned the moon into a nice motivational poster yeah. that we can all see all the time <laughs> hey, go, hanging kitten hang in there on the moon <laughs> hang in there says the moon if even the moon doubts whether it can stay up there wow then we all must be doing okay the final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness it would be something like like the perfect moment of of um of loving everything in that moment loving yourself whoever you're with what you're doing um that, like having that 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 perfect moment of of peace and acceptance and love for who you are what you stand for and and what you put out into the world Nice, nice. I like the big philosophical uh, ending, <laughs> but I also like the beginning that I've never heard somebody say it that way of just liking every element of what's around. So like you're physically comfortable. You like the people are there. You like what you're watching. You like what yeah. you're eating. The temperature is nice. Yeah. <laughs> there are no spiders unless you like spiders. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So one of the coolest things I've ever done in my 16 years in L.A. was I ended up, my first job here was to work for a trailer company, and it just so happened the trailer company was the company that cut all of the Lord of the Rings trailers. Um, it became known very quickly in this company that I was a Lord of the Rings fanatic, obsessed, <laughs> if you will. And um, and I actually became a go-to, like they would get dailies or, or rough cuts in and they would be cutting the trailer. And I would get a call. Um, I was just a PA or an assistant. And um, and they'd be like, they're saying, f um, you know, Aerolingus. What does that mean? <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, that's the word for the writers of Rohan. It's what they refer to themselves as. And so I became sort of their encyclopedia. And um, and I got very close to the to the woman who cut the 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 trailer, Jen Horvath, and um, the guy that did the Return of the King, Stephen Harris. And then one day, um, I get a phone call from Jen, and we were at work, and she's like, "What are you doing tonight?" I'm like nothing. She's like, "Do you want to go to the Return of the King premiere?" I tell you right now, I didn't say a word. She's like, "Hello." <laughs> I'm like, "Is that rhetorical? Like, what? Are you yes." So, I've been to a few premieres in L.A. And this was the highlight. So I, I sat in that theater in Westwood. I watched The Return of the King for the first time, tears spewing the whole nine yards. And then I got to go to the after party and I could not say a word to anyone. I have been made fun of to this day. My friends, the other editors that were there, they were like, you were like, you why? Like I never blinked. They were like, you just walked around and you were like, Bernard Hill, Elijah <laughs> Wood. And then I'm at the bar and Jen's like, so have you seen everybody you want? And I'm like, I just haven't seen Vigo. Where's Vigo? I might have had a drink or two. <laughs> I said it kind of loudly. And she's gesturing and gesturing at me. And I'm like, what? What? What are you talking about? She's like, turn around. Vigo Mortensen was standing right behind me. And I was just like, I, I, I didn't say a word. He smiled very politely, said, nice to meet you, shook my hand and walked away. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. I've capped my evening off with embarrassing myself in front of Aragorn himself. <laughs> yeah. But that's one of the coolest L.A. things I've ever done.